Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. As always, I'm your host, Zach Weiss, giving you the latest scoop from Cavaliers Kingdom, which comes today in the form of a mailbag. Appreciate everyone that submitted through Twitter. So let's get to it. First question from at JackRules11. If you could insert one former player in their prime as a Cav onto the current roster besides LeBron, who would it be? Kyrie seems like a decent choice, but positionally and chemistry-wise, it does not seem to make much sense. I agree, Jack. So I got I got two answers for you here. I just think no matter what you do, Mark Price would always be a great fit for the Cavs. He could play the one or the two. I know it's the same issue with Kyrie. I think you could plug Mark Price next to Colin, and you'll have a fantastic backcourt of two guys that can both get you 25 points a night and facilitate the ball. The energy he brought, uh, the consistency... Mark Price was amazing when he was with the Cavs. So honestly, I'd love him. And Larry Nance Sr. would be the other. He could play multiple positions. He averaged over two blocks a game, which I'm going to talk more about in another question. The athletic ability on both sides of the floor of Larry Nance Sr. would give the Cavs such a boost. And in the hypothetical where he's actually playing with his son, you, you don't get that. People have, have mentioned about LeBron and Bronny playing together. And it's obviously a rumor, and it's so far out, and his son is still just a young teenager. But the fact that they'd be together, and we're assuming that Larry would be in his prime, the athletic ability on both ends, he'd get the crowd going with his dunks, he could protect the rim, which the Cavs' bigs don't even do that well. I mean, that's a no-brainer. So I'm going Larry Nance Sr., or Mark Price. Question two from at Braden Ballin. Who's more likely to re-sign with us? Tristan Thompson or Matthew Delavadova? Great question here from Braden. And you hope to see both guys come back. Although more likely, I think it's going to be Delavadova. And it's going to have a lot less suitors than he did the last time he was a free agent. And the Bucks gave him the four-year $38 million. He proved himself... While Darius was hurt, he kind of came in, played some fantastic point guard, getting a couple double-doubles. He was dishing. He was playing fantastic defense. He was playing 35, 40 minutes in wins. I mean, he's good enough to start on a team that can win, although his time as a starter is probably over in this league after his first stint with Cleveland as an occasional starter and then with Milwaukee. Tristan, on the other hand, I think is going to want to go somewhere where he might be able to start or play for a contender. There's always the chance he signs a one-year deal to come back. I I can't see a long-term extension coming for Tristan. I just don't see that as a possibility. I look at Deli. He's a great mentor. The guys seem to love him. His coach enjoys what he brings. So, you know, that being said, i probably go Deli for that reason. He's going to be cheaper. They're a little capped. They're tough tough with space, with love. And, you know, they they have a good number. They have a good amount of cap space, so pardon that, but... I can't see them trying to go big for Tristan 
when they can get Delhi on the cheap if it comes down to one or the other. So, to answer your question, Matthew Delavadova, my guy. Next question from at Gregory Blackley. Should the Cavs draft LaMelo Ball? Two words. Absolutely not. Brings a lot to the table. Zavs needs to work on his shooting. He did have that 93-point game in high school when he was playing for Chino Hills. You know, Okongwu also, Onyeka Okongwu also in this draft, uh, another Chino Hills guy. But no, I don't think they should draft LaMelo. I don't think they need another guard. They just took Darius number five the year after they took Colin number eight. You don't want to turn turn into the Philadelphia 76ers who took Nerlens Noel, Joel Embiid, and Jaleel Okafor in three consecutive drafts. Yes, two of those guys missed the rookie seasons, but that they could have done so much more. The fact is they traded Drew Holiday to get Nerlens Noel. So when you think of it like that, they really botched it. But getting back to the Cavs, don't don't draft LaMelo. He's going to be a very good player, whether or not it's in Golden State or New York. Some team is going to draft him, and he's going to get a chance to start pretty much right off the bat. He's tall. He's lengthy. He's a solid two-way player, although when you watch him in high school, he did a lot of cherry-picking. Uh, those days are behind him. He was pretty solid in Australia overall, but the Cavs don't need him. He can't play small forward. If you want Kevin Porter Jr. to take a step forward, then why would you be drafting another guy that could play multiple positions in the backcourt? I, I still want Anthony Edwards as my guy for the Cavs. You never know what they're actually going to do. I just really like Anthony Edwards. I've liked him for a long time. His ability to score is just too impressive. I, I mean, you want a guy that can come in next to Colin and give you buckets. The best choice is Anthony Edwards. Next question from at Angelo7266. Not sure if you're old enough. I'm probably not to answer this, but I think I have a, enough of a grip to do it. But do you think the Cavs teams with Darty, Price, and Nantini were too soft to win a title? I do not. The Cavs just ran into... St- competition that was better than them when push came to shove and you know that 92-93 season the Bulls were just too good after they got past the Nets there was the year Jordan hit the shot they lost to the Bulls in the conference finals in 1992 obviously they did win a couple games in that one after beating the Celtics in seven to get there which was very impressive at that time that was the end of Larry Bird's run for the Cavs to be a part and ending it I mean you talk about soft, but Larry Nance was averaging three blocks a game. Doherty over a block. Hot Rod Williams, two blocks. That's three guys that can come in and protect the rim. I mean, they didn't back down. You had Mark Price and Craig Eagle both shooting a high percentage from three. Steve Kerr added some nice shooting to those teams. You know, young younger Danny Ferry wasn't as productive, but, you know, he could always knock the shots down. I don't think they lacked the toughness to win. I just think they couldn't stop Jordan. Whenever the Cavs could, were, were looking great, Jordan would be there. That year, again, when Jordan hit the shot against Elo, which, which basically pushed Elo's winner to, to the side and ended their year, that was their, and talking to Mark, that was, that was their best year. That was the chance. You know, the East would have been open. They get past MJ and the Bulls. Man, and, you know, I think they could have given the Pistons a run for their money if they had met. But you look at it, and I don't think it was the toughness that they lacked. I mean, Lenny Wilkins did a fantastic job. 
They were high scoring, and in, in all these years, they were among the best defensive teams. So I don't know what more you could have asked for. They had rim protection galore. So, and this was an era where three pointers were less prevalent. So you needed a, the Cavs had a few shooters, but they they just did such a nice job deterring their opponents in the paint. That's what made them so successful. And if health had played a part, and Mark never gets hurt, and some other guys are healthy, you know they could have won a title. I don't think it's about too soft, Angelo. I love the roster that they had. I think it was really well constructed. Maybe they just needed one more guy that could create his own shot. But it's definitely not about toughness. They had that. And you have rim protection. You have bigs. You have athletic ability like that on both ends. You're not backing down. And even in this more physical era, they didn't back down. Other teams just were too good at the end of the day. And that's that's why I think that those teams with Brad, Mark, and Larry Sr. didn't win. Not because they were too soft. Next question from at BoltCB. Do you believe Love will still be a starter for the Cavs on opening night next season? I feel not moving him sooner will really hurt the Cavs with the start of the pandemic, with his high yearly salary and uncertainty. What will happen financially with the Cavs space? I just find it hard. I just find it hard dealing him. Uh, I think he will be here, BoltCB. Uh, I love what Kevin brings to the table still. People continue to talk about his feud with Colin like it matters. And I've said this so many times. We've all had feuds with people. The people you call your best friends. You've probably had fights with them before. Maybe in public. Maybe at a restaurant. Maybe in the office. You make up. Why can't these people just understand that Kevin and Colin are cool now? They're getting along. It's fine. I think Kevin brings a great veteran presence. He was averaging, what, 18, 10, and three assists this year. I think that that's very solid. I don't think it hurts. Larry Nance can start if he needs to, but he's just as effective off the bench playing the three, the four, or the five. I mean, there's no one else behind him. If you do get rid of Love, you don't have a ton of depth up there. For now, I mean, I'd assume you acquire a forward in the process, but the games that he missed where McKinney and Jetty had to play minutes at the four, they got destroyed. They're just not big enough to defend fours. So that being said, I think they got to hold on to Kevin. And yes, it's a little tough, his age, his contract. But he's a ca- he is a true Cavalier, man. He's been here now post-LeBron. He's the only guy that's really been here other than Tristan since the beginning and then to now. And... He's a great mentor for so many of these younger guys. He's uh, you need the personality that he brings. You know, he's a he's an engaging guy. He's a, fu- I mean, I'm gonna quote quote. He's a fun guy, <laughs> but I, I just like his demeanor. Save for that one game again in January, it happens. His ability to score, hit clutch shots, push the break, throw the outlet pass, which it's clear he's already teaching Drummond about. Keep him around. Trade him when the time is right. Whenever they think that is. I don't think it's going to hurt them. I mean, other than Kev, they're not paying anyone a significant amount of money. Well, Drummond, I guess. But he'll be a free agent after the year, and then they'll go from there. Just just keep Kev. I mean, you gave him. why'd you give him that contract if you didn't want him around? So that, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And teams have made mistakes. Tobias Harris has been traded in the first year of a four-year deal twice. I don't expect Kevin Love. He made it through the first year already. To be dealt with three years, $90 million left just yet. But, of course, it's always a possibility. Final question. 
calf ceiling for next season. Uh, you know, it is, I think they can compete for that playoff spot at the bottom of the conference, or the eight seed. I don't think they're actually going to get there right away. I do think it's going to take an additional year for them to be playoff good, but they're going to compete for it, no doubt. Would I be shocked if they actually found their way into the NBA playoffs next season? Absolutely not. It's a talented team with youth and veterans. They're well coached finally for the first time in what feels like forever. They got leaders in Dre and Kev. KPJ and Darius are going to take big steps forward. Colin Sexton might be an all-star next year for all we know if he keeps up the pace he was at. I mean, the Cavs were among the NBA leaders in fan support this year, despite the fact that they had really nothing extremely exciting going on. And whether and if there's no fans next year, that changes everything. All the teams, you know, like the Warriors of sorts that had this great home court advantage for years, you know, the Nuggets with the altitude plus the noise, the Celtics, the Heat, Spurs, the Thunder, you take out the crowd element, it changes a lot. So any game almost becomes a neutral game unless maybe you play on a court like the Celtics with the parquet and it's something unique. But the lack of normal fan noise and crowd is going to make having an impressive home record very different should the league go on as normal but just without fans. So that being said... Anything is possible. They could get in as a low-end playoff team, and that sure would be great, wouldn't it? That'll do it for this edition of Across the Cavs. Thank you, as always, for your support. I'm Zach Weiss. Catch us on Twitter at Across Cavs and on Instagram at Across the Cavs. Until next time.